0: Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. I'm John Negroni. I'm the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of cinemaholics.com, and I write books sometimes. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he reviews films for cinemaholics.com. It is belashing. Hey, John. And we have a special guest this week. He is a co-host of the N8 Ogre Till It's Ogre podcast with Will Ashton, And he's been on Cinemahawks a few times before. It's Matt Serafini.
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me on.
0: You can find more episodes of Cinemaholics on cinemahawks.com. Our whole archive is on there. You can write into the show anytime by sending us a friendly, professional, polite email. Cinemahawkspodcast at gmail.com is where you do that. Two ways to support us as always. Really need your support. If you would like to write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, yes, we are we are asking you to do that. And also, if you want to become a monthly patron, our Patreon is in the show notes, patreon.com slash cinemahawks. You get all kinds of fun little bonus things, including going right into our off topics, our latest extra milestone. Extra milestone is our monthly spin-off series where we explore a film anniversary. This past month, June of 2019, was Alien. And so you can now listen to that entire episode of Alien, in which myself, Will Ashton, Sam Noland, and Julia Tady talked about the 1979 Ridley Scott sci-fi horror classic in all kinds of detail. It was a lot of fun. And if you are a patron on Cinemaholics, you could have gotten that whole episode a bit early, so definitely consider checking that out and seeing if you are into those perks. All right, so Will, you were out last week, mm-hmm. missed you, missed you too. I uh, really wanted to talk about yesterday with you, but hopefully we're gonna get some little extra quality time uh, sure. coming up soon. We hopefully. we are not talking about Midsummer this on this episode because we are looking at doing a, a bonus episode of Cinema Holocks devoted just to Midsummer. Because it, we kind of need to. It's it's one of those movies. It's True. it's it's another under the silver lake. It's it's an it's one of those that just we we need some time.
2: It's another a twenty four release, I guess. Yeah, it is <laughs> That's right. A twenty
0: four is just playing with us, and
2: they, mm-hmm.
0: they 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 get pretty good marketing on on this website. Yeah.
2: So I mean, I was uh I was thinking about how there is probably like a reality where midsummer had the same treatment that under the silver lake got. And I'm mm. really glad that it actually got into theaters, even though unfortunately. The box office suggests that it's not doing too hot, which I find very strange since my showing, I don't know about yours, but it was like a 10 p.m. Wednesday showing and it was sold out. And I was talking to Ryan Oliver and his showing at like 7 p.m. on Tuesday was sold out. So I was kind of surprised by uh, the poor showing at the box office this weekend.
0: I went at a 1230 showing. I was in the smallest theater and there was maybe about a dozen people. So Hmm. yeah, I guess Pittsburgh just really wants them some and Seattle uh, just really wants them some midsummer.
2: Something about the 4th of July holiday, I guess, the time off. They're like, let's go see a two and a half hour, 824 horror flick. And so that's what happened, I guess.
0: I, I still haven't looked at all of the box office numbers. I'm actually still working on that for my latest column at Adam. <laughs> but yes, I'm hearing sort of the same thing, that the, the box office is a bit disappointing. But I'm not hearing that it's horrendous. But regardless, we are talking about Spider-Man Far From Home in this episode. It's going to be our main review. But there are a few things that we want to talk about really quickly. So, one of them is Annabelle Comes Home. So, last week, we had Kimber Myers on the show. It was just me and Kimber. Neither of us had seen Annabelle Comes Home. We were very sad. We weren't able to include an actual review of that film. But at the same time, it didn't seem like the listeners were all that upset. It's another Annabelle movie. It it, it wasn't something that I think a lot of people were super curious about compared to yesterday. But, Will, I want to know, Annabelle Comes Home, do you, re- do you recommend this one? I know you didn't really love Annabelle Creations by any stretch, so...
2: Yeah, I never really got into the Annabelle craze. Uh, I I do like the Conjuring movies. Uh, the first one, certainly more than the second. But um, yeah, this one, I would say, I guess compared to the other two, it's my favorite, just because I think the haunted house angle that they're going for here, kind of like, like um, Hall Illusions, kind of different things popping up at night is a lot more fun to me than what they were doing in the first two films. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think it suffers from the same problems I had with the other Annabelle movies, which is that it's just kind of like, it's like the same magic trick being repeated over and over and over again, uh, basically ad nauseum, to the point we're just bored by it. Like it's like the same kind of idea over and over again. I do like at the beginning of this movie that we did have the Warrens involved, um, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Uh, they reprised their roles, and I thought that they're really comfortable in their performances in a way that felt like you know they've been doing it for a couple of movies now. They seem to really know what they want to do with these characters, and I thought that they were they have a nice kind of comfortable. Uh, kind of casual uh, chemistry together that I really enjoyed and um, I do like that there is some misdirection throughout the beginning as far as like how it's going to play the uh, intended jump scares but ultimately yeah I was just kind of uh, I was kind of disappointed by it yet again I gave it a C plus
0: hmm. okay so I, I still haven't seen it I didn't have a lot of time this week and I'm I'm bummed I, I really want to see Annabelle come home it looks like my kind of film you, you all know I like the Annabelle Creation movie a bit more. I didn't really like the first Annabelle, and I like these Conjuring movies. I, I think that they're they're pretty. They're I think they're pretty good. I, I know it's it's a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle in the Cinemaholics writers room. I know Sam doesn't really care for them, and I, I guess I'm I'm the loner, the, the outsider, and I'm a little scared to see this one. I, I hope it's not a C plus for me as well.
2: No, no, no. I was gonna say yeah. I mean, I, I do like the regular ones. I just think the spinoffs are just not working for me because Curse of Leatherona didn't really work for me. I didn't see the Nun. I don't know how that turned out, but. Uh yeah, just something about the spin-offs themselves aren't really doing it for me. But I'm kind of with you. I just can't fully agree. Yeah,
0: I, I was just saying, I was really referencing Sam. Sam does not like the Conjuring sure. films. But yeah, so the, the Nun, funny enough, is the most successful out of all of these movies. But Annabelle Comes Home is the least successful. So the Conjuring universe is at kind of a weird standstill at the moment, where they're they're kind of getting the hint that okay, we don't want more Annabelle movies. <laughs> they're hearing that loud and clear but there's this kind of worry that this universe is sort of playing itself out. Like people are becoming less interested and that could not bode super well for Conjuring 3, but if they do more spin offs that are as successful as The None, that that could be totally good. So it, it, we'll, we'll have to yeah. put a pin on that.
2: Yeah, I will say they did at the end of the movie for my screening, give me cupcakes. And I definitely would say if you have the chance to see Anvil Comes Home and Cupcake version where they give you a cupcake at the end of the movie, definitely would recommend that experience. Cupcake Sounds uh, sweet. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that would have been better for Happy Death Day. Uh,
2: That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Oh, well. I was really thinking that, too. I was like, man, this is so such a bummer. Well, All
0: right. There's another movie that we talked about a lot last week. We even opened up for spoilers for yesterday. Yesterday was a movie that I definitely really liked. The most people not really liking much. This is the What If the Beatles Never Existed movie. We already had a full conversation about it last week, but we would be remiss if we didn't pick your brain, Will, about yesterday. But also, Matt, you saw yesterday as well, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, let's start with you because you've been you've been sitting there patiently listening to us talk about <laughs> cupcakes. Uh, did did you enjoy Did you enjoy yesterday? Was, were your troubles so far away while watching?
1: Uh, I think I felt similarly about it to you because I, I, I've listened to last week's, but um, where I, I like liked it, but I didn't like love it. I don't know. It was. Um, I think that they had a really good premise and a really good like love story, and I don't think they did enough with either of those, unfortunately. But overall, I thought it was fine. And if you're a Beatles fan, you'll enjoy the music. So
0: Yeah, enjoy the covers. Yeah, I, I loved complaining about it. That was fun. Yeah. But it's like, I, I said this last week, but yeah, talking about yesterday is a blast because it is such a wonky little weird movie, but <laughs> Well, I have a feeling you it, yesterday is your favorite movie of 2019 or am I right about that? <laughs> uh,
2: not quite there no. Um I I liked it more than I anticipated because I know um I think in the server movie preview maybe a couple other episodes of this podcast I've talked about my just general frustration with this premise as far as like what it implies and the implications therein that i felt like the movie was not going to address i will say to the film's credit it does like somewhat show like okay if we don't have the beatles this doesn't happen this doesn't happen which is okay whatever but it's like what they don't show or what they do show and then like don't reveal fully like raises way more questions than i think the movie was ever willing to address or wanting to address and I think as I was watching the movie, I kind of respected that more than I anticipated. just because I'm like, I get the Richard Curtis uh, and I think to some extent, Danny Boyle were just like, we just kind of want to make a fun rob. We don't want to spend like 30 minutes explaining how things happen. It's kind of like that scene in Looper with Bruce Willis and um, Jessica Gordon-Levitt. I imagine it's like, look, we can, you know, spend all day, you know, picking straws and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just like this is the gist of the premise. Here's some fun aside. So It's like, oh, well, I guess this doesn't happen. And ultimately, I-, I liked it as just like a cute, enjoyable rom-com but i do think it's kind of messy in a way that i was not anticipating i I think you guys brought up how like wonderwall plays a big part in the film uh and i was expecting that to like be paid off in a big way at like the final set piece and then it just doesn't it's not (laughs) (laughs) uh and and i found that very weird uh especially in retrospect um but yeah i mean it's enjoyable but i do feel like like, even like Beetle fans, I don't really think are getting that much out of it. I mean, I know, Matt, you're a big Beatles fan. I feel like the response I've been hearing is kind of similar to yours, if not yeah. maybe a little more negative. And, um, yeah, I just feel like it's like kind of like a middle of the road movie. No pun intended there with Abbey Road. But, um, yeah, it just, it's fine. It's enjoyable. It's cute. I, I liked it as like diversion from the, um, franchises that we've been getting throughout the summer but um i kind of wish it was more like it just it shows enough promise that could have been better Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like good enough to the point where it's like not just like a completely disposable rom-com yeah i gave it b minus
0: all right. Yeah. B-Minutes is actually, yeah, that's higher than I expected. Yeah. Yesterday, it, it's one of those weird, like, original sort of films that it's not A stars Born, which isn't original, but you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's that kind of film right. that's supposed to be like a new sort of story and that people are interested in that didn't really quite take off, uh, you know, box office wise. But, you know, people are interested, people are watching it and it's doing decent business. It's not a, a flop by any measure, but it is not going to carry that box office weight. Uh, uh. Real quick. Yes, yes. I I'm, <laughs> I apologize for that. So, Stranger Things. We, we have to mention Stranger Things Season 3 has just come out on Netflix. I am seven episodes in to this eight-episode season, and almost considered making this a, a big review for the week, but it's one of those things. I, I think we've moved a little bit farther away. It, even though it is a TV show, technically, I still kind of look at Stranger Things as like these like long movies. Um, yeah. they, they're so... They're not very episodic, is the thing. They're, they're just yeah. long-form storytelling that has commercial breaks that don't have commercials. <laughs> but yeah, so Stranger Things Season 3. I know, Will, been trying to get you to watch we, we did try to get you to watch Stranger Things for a while. You did eventually watch it. Yeah. But yet we never talked about it. We never talked about the second season on this show.
2: Yeah. I only watched the first three episodes of season one, I think. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm far from an expert on Stranger Things. He loves it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fortunately, we have Matt Serafini, who is my fellow stranger, stranger person. Uh, so Stranger Things season three. Uh, Matt, did you enjoy this? Because uh, I think you watched the entire thing.
1: Yeah, I finished it last night. Yeah, uh, I, I really dug it, honestly. Um, this is probably the fastest I've ever binged something on Netflix.
0: Oh, um, I watched all I watched seven episodes in one day. So oh, fair enough.
1: Well, <laughs> mine was spread across three. But uh, I, I um, yeah, I don't know. Part of it was just due to me having free time. But uh, yeah, I, I think I definitely like this season more than two. I, I think it's hard to compete with one. But um, yeah, I thought this story was fun. Most of the characters have good and fun storylines. The pairings are different this time around, which is fun. Yeah, I don't know. It was a. I thought it was a good romp. Yeah,
0: yeah, yes. Yeah. So t- I didn't hate Stranger Things too, but I definitely didn't find it nearly as engaging and memorable as the first season. It, like I can barely sure. piece together what happened. I needed that recap in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I watched a recap as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's funny because if somebody had told me what this season was about on paper and all of the references, all of the movies they do in this, I would have said like, okay, Stranger Things fatigue is here, but it's so crazy because even more than the first two seasons, they cram so many movies, so many mm-hmm. pop culture things from the eighties. So at this point, I'm, I'm just kind of impressed that they can do that. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: like, it actually Without is. Without it just impressive. seeming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I think what I'm sensing is that a lot of people who grew up in the 80s are really resenting this show at this point because they they lived it, I guess, and they don't find it to be an authentic mashup of these properties. But maybe you can relate with this, Matt. Like, we didn't grow up in the 80s. We grew up in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And the 80s have always been silly and they've always been something that have just been ripped up and mashed together in lots of things. So we're used to it. And I like... I like that this is a show sort of playing with that decade in this way. Like, I think it's really fun. And I think that it works that in all of that fun, you have original characters. Like, yeah, the it's ripping off all of these sci-fi elements from other decades, too. Like, there's the blobs in this for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but all of this is happening to characters that we really like that do feel like their own creation and and that's the thing that continues to make this a fun show for me. I, I think that there are like a few things about this show that do feel kind of dated. It, it's not the most cutting edge premise. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and and some of the like romance subplots are are getting a little bit out of hand. But there there were some surprises in this this season, Uh, some things that happened where I was just really hoping, I just want to keep seeing these characters and more things. I I really enjoy them. I think that it was a great, it's a great thing, too. It's not giving anything away that Eleven is just given time with these characters again. That was something that was really tough about the second season was that she was missing for a lot of the action. She's kind of turned into a superhero at this point, and they really (laughs) lean into that, love that. And they don't, even though they lean a lot on nostalgia, they don't lean too much on nostalgia for previous Stranger Things seasons. And I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but that's what, that's why I really dig this season. It it feels like, and and it feels like something different from what they've done before, which everyone is saying the opposite of. I've been kind of like looking around and people are like, oh, this show, it just recycles the same things over and over again. I completely disagree.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on
0: that. I, I don't understand. Like, it's it's so different. Like, it's a completely different movie that they're ripping off.
1: Yeah. And, like, we have different villains this time around, too. Like, yeah. Right. And, and, well,
0: in the way that they they handle all of these threats, the, the way that these mysteries work, uh, the causes, uh, the type of action it is, this, the type of motif it is, it still has the soul of those previous two seasons, which is right. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's still, like, a dangerous threat kids sort of banding together with adults to stop them. Like, that part's true, but that's not recycling. Like, you, like what would the show be if it didn't do that? <laughs> it would be very right, boring. Probably. Exactly. So I think they are finding clever and new interesting ways to keep telling uh, or to continue the story that they're telling in a way that I think is interesting, but obviously I don't think it's working for quite everyone. I think a lot of people just like the first season and want to leave it at that. Some people have only watched the first three episodes. I don't get, I don't get them. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. But one of these days' we'll, we'll, we'll get you to get you to at least finish the first season it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good season of TV maybe someday maybe someday yeah it's it's on Netflix uh it's worth a binge yeah Matt I I watched seven episodes in one day because that's who I am at this point and <laughs> I I was really I would have finished it but uh yeah I, you know life life got in the way um but that's okay understandable. Well, you want to talk about something that was extremely, extremely impactful on you. Much more impactful oh, than yeah. anything we've talked about so far. And I have held back on watching this because I don't want to say a word. I don't know anything oh, about man. it. I know. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Anima. This is the new P.T. Sure. Anderson short film. And first thing he's done since Phantom Thread, uh, which we talked mm-hmm. about two years ago. Or, er, no, not two yep. years ago. About a year and a half. What? what this, this short film, it's on Netflix and... It, it sort of captured your attention. Explain.
2: Oh yeah. Um, well, earlier this month, or actually now we're in July last month, uh, it was my birthday, and I was like, hmm, I wonder what my parents, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom York have in the works uh just for me. And then uh they surprised me at the end of the month. It was a little late, but I didn't mind. Um they were like, Hey, we know we've been busy, but we wanted to put together this fifteen minute one reel, uh based on Tom's new album and uh, we think you're gonna like it and it was a beautiful birthday gift. I really was quite taken by it. Um, I'm pretty surprised they put it on Netflix. You know, I'm glad everyone else can enjoy it as well. But um, I know it's just just for me. So I'm really glad that they uh, went out of their way to make this uh, this nice uh, little project just for just for my viewing. And I've seen it about seven times now. Um, oh gosh. You almost say about four.
1: like you don't know that it, it yeah. has been seven it times. It has been seven times, yeah. Yeah, playing
0: coy
2: um, with us. <laughs> I om- I wanted to do an eighth viewing, but unfortunately, uh, this morning was uh, not optimal for having another viewing. But maybe later today, I'll check it out again, just because um, it just it's just a beautiful little weird. Uh, I guess it's kind of just like a concept album of a movie. It's like it's basically taking these songs from Tom York's album Anima and uh, kind of infusing it into this one uh, real project or one reeler, as they call it. And, um, yeah, it definitely harkens to, uh, I guess, like Brazil in 1984 by way of modern times and putting Tom York in kind of the Charlie Chaplin role there in a way that really surprised me. I didn't know my dad could do um, Charlie Chaplin impression (laughs) really well, and um, I was really impressed with that. And I definitely think Hollywood, if you're listening, put Tom York in any comedy you want, I think the movie would be made better. That's a firm stance. I'm going to say on this podcast right now. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know if I want to give too much away about it. Cause I know we're short for time and I also don't want to, um, tamper the experience for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, but it's only 15 minutes. Uh, it's a really easy watch. Um, and I definitely think that it shows that uh, when these two musicians, or two artists, I mean, work together, they really just create something magical. They just really, I think, are in sync with each other now in a way that uh, I wasn't even anticipating after their original project, Daydreaming, uh, which came out, I think, two or three years ago. Um, yeah, they, just, they just really seem in sync with each other. They seem to know what they can do best with one another. And I think that harmony that they have create here with this project is uh, pretty great. And I gave it an A.
0: An A from Will Ashton. I just imagine you, that entire conversation, you were watching Anima on your phone while talking to us.
2: <laughs> I wish. Now it's eight times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe after we finish recording and I'm at work, I can find it a time to rewatch it because I can't wait to revisit this experience. It's the basically one of the few good things going on right, for me right now. Oh. So how about that?
0: <laughs> as long as you're not driving oh, to work and it's like playing in your hand and you're like, <laughs> Keep your eyes on the road. No, Will I'll Ashen. just play the
2: soundtrack. Okay. I'll just play the soundtrack while I'm going to work.
0: All right, that is that is a a a bold and full throated recommendation from Will Ashen for Anima. You don't we don't get a lot of those, so cherish it, listeners. No, we really don't. Yeah, it's always always a special occasion, kind of like Will's birthday. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get into our featured review, we had a few comments from last week. Some great stuff. People loved Kimber. They wish Kimber was on every week. We do too. Uh, a few comments about that. Uh, we had somebody who walked out of yesterday confounded, but having had a mostly good time, <laughs> which I what? loved, I loved reading that. Uh, anonymous said my wife loved it and we'll probably catch it on streaming by the end of the year. Just solid comfort food. But I needed this discussion to wrap my brain around just all of that ending. Uh, that was a good conversation. Cause we did talk about the ending of the film really worked out in that way. Uh, oh, by the way, all these comments are on cinemaholics.com. Don't forget to go to cinemaholics.com. Hang out with us. Um, we, we had we had somebody ask us what our biggest surprise of the year so far is, because um, we talked about our favorite movies of the year. I responded with asking positive or negative surprise, or both, and so we might have to table this, because they didn't get back to us. I'm not really sure.
2: I mean, for me, it's obviously Anima, because I didn't know that was going to happen <laughs> until it did, and I was like, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know, because I was looking at my favorite films of the year so far, none of them are really like films that surprised me well not in the sense that like i didn't think i would like this that much um I mean, there was nothing that really stood out but yeah maybe maybe, yeah. maybe this biggest surprises are yet to come we'll say that uh maybe. and then and then dewitt wrote us a really lovely comment um just talking about how richard curtis wrote and directed Dewitt's its f- second favorite romance movie of all time next to the before trilogy which is about time i don't think we got to really talk about about time much in last week's episode but i was really thinking a lot about that film we, we were really thinking about that film a lot uh I was thinking about it a lot while watching yesterday and after. And DeWitt said, I know most people don't like it that much and say it's a chick flick, but I loved it. DeWitt, we love about time. Who doesn't love about time? Does Matt Serafini not love about time?
1: I we love about the other. time. Yeah. Matt well, and I, I actually watched the other couple years ago. He's on a date. <laughs> <laughs> in my basement, in my oh, parents' yeah. house. Yeah.
0: That's right, yeah. Yeah. I watched, I watched about time with a group of friends. Uh, it was a big group of people, like 15, 16 of us. And that was the first time I saw it. Loved it. Love that movie. It's
1: great. Yeah, Time travel romance. That's like two of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's very mad. It's like, uh,
2: it, I would definitely think it's up. I would say it's almost more up his alley than yesterday as yeah. far as concepts are concerned. So yeah. Execution, sure. Yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> Do it. If you have people in your life telling you about time is no good, just uh, politely tell those people that the Cinemaholics have your back uh, because we are about time fans over here. I thought
2: so you were going to say... Go back in time and pretend you don't know him.
0: <laughs> oh, it's wow. a little too. Uh, let's not recommend that. That's uh. hmm. Okay, so that'll do it for this week's comments. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback for us, you can email us or just comment on the most recent episode of Cinemaholics on the website. Okay, let's get into our featured review. A Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay, I have a whole spiel about this because I, I have been racking my brain trying to understand is Spider-Man Far From Home a sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming? Or is it a continuation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Is it neither?
2: Is it both? the Probably the best way to quantify it is probably an epilogue to the MCU Phase 3. I
0: was actually going to say that too. So I, I think that that's right. Because um, I think it does function as a movie that continues the standalone adventures of Peter Parker as Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but in the context of this ending of Marvel. It it, it it does feel like an epilogue to Avengers Endgame, because the film literally begins with acknowledgement and resolution concerning the ending events of Endgame. So we have to get into Avengers Endgame for purposes that should be obvious. I mean, you can't really talk about Far From Home. You shouldn't watch Far From Home unless you've seen Avengers Endgame and you're wary of those type of spoilers because the spoilers of Endgame loom large over this movie. So with all of that said-
1: Major plot
0: functions. Major plot functions, pathos, all that stuff. So we are going to have to start sharing Avengers Endgame spoilers from here on out. You have been warned. If you haven't seen it for whatever reason- Hey, it just got re-released in a couple thousand theaters, so you you have a chance to go see it with some an extra six minutes uh, for whatever that is worth.
2: Did you hear about that that controversy?
0: What controversy?
2: That like the extra six minutes were like BS.
0: Oh and that, yes, like, there oh, were percent. Like, two
2: like unfinished, like two unfinished scenes with the Hulk, and then like a trailer for Spider Man Homecoming, yeah. <laughs> and that was like basically it.
0: <laughs> well, we we knew this. Like we knew that like a lot of it was just going to be like f- padding. <laughs> Of stuff oh yeah
2: obviously but like people were mad
0: oh i was mad when i heard about it because i was like really yeah. that's it that's all you can they could have done i don't know they they could have done more than this
2: i think they could have at the very least finished the scenes <laughs> like special effects <laughs> yeah. at
1: the very least
0: uh yeah so I, I i think i'm i'm good with the uh with the original theatrical cuts i think i'm good with that yeah personally
1: Not, it's long enough
0: <laughs> yeah So, in Spider-Man Far From Home, the world is reeling from the events of Avengers Endgame because half of the population, which was snapped out of existence by Thanos in Avengers Infinity War, they've returned. Uh, They're back. But at the same age they were when they disappeared. So, the world is now this, this kind of frightening hodgepodge of half the people are coming back to a world that moved on without them, the other half are trying to sort of get back to normal and deal with their grief. The weird thing about far from home is it has nothing to do with that. It only, it only lightly addresses these new circumstances and it uses them for humor instead of drama.
2: I just don't, the one thing I still don't really quite get is that the people who are five year old, five years older, are they just repeating the same grade over and over again? Why are they all in the same grade still? I, I never really quite got that. I think
0: they all are coming back. They're all the same age. And so they had to, it, it happened at midterms, right? So, or they had midterms. Now they have to repeat that grade of
2: school. Yeah. So, like, they just went back to the grade they were in five years ago. So, like, they go to college,
1: then go back to high school. No, no, no. Well, the people who weren't snapped continued to, like, go oh, to school. I see. Okay.
0: It just, it was just very okay. convenient that Peter Parker played by Tom Holland and all of his very close high school friends. amazing friends.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Spider-Man
0: and his amazing friends. They, they're all people who were gone for five, who were gone for five years, who didn't I grow got, up.
2: I got that. Yeah. My bad. Okay. Cause I thought for some reason in my brain, I thought that Ned was one of the people who didn't disappear. Like I thought at the end of end game, they established that he was like still around. So maybe that was oh, where my no. confusion. I late. I, th-
0: I think that, yeah, he's the same age for sure. Because they okay. showed in, like, the little montage of, like, the people getting older and some of the people, like, and, and they kind of explained, too, like, there's a character named Brad here who, uh, he was five years younger than Peter and yeah. MJ and all of them. And now he's in their grade. <laughs> right. Because he, exactly, he didn't yeah. get snapped yet. They, they call hmm. this event the blip. And uh, so for a lot of this movie, the the real drama for Peter, it's it's not coming back to a world of forgotten. Because, because everyone he cares about is basically... Still there, except for his mentor, Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, who passed away at the end of Avengers Endgame, saving the world. And so this is really about Peter confronting the fact that everyone expects him to be the next Iron Man. He was Tony Stark's chosen one, his disciple. And now they sort of expect him to step up, uh, even though he's still a kid. And unlike the last film, in which Peter, he was gung-ho about becoming an Avenger, and he, he wanted all this responsibility, well, now he has it. And he's faced some real-world experience in the Avengers movies. And at this point, he'd rather just take a break, be a normal kid for a while. He wants to go on a European summer school trip with his friends. He doesn't want to bring a Spider-Man suit and maybe want to get some alone time with... With MJ, the girl he likes, played by Zendaya. But as you can imagine, his plans completely fall apart because here comes Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson, with a mission requiring Spider-Man as backup to Mysterio, an interdimensional hero played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And he's come to our world to stop these elemental titans who havoc in his own alternate universe, Earth, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it all sounds pretty exciting, but Far From Home is actually a really personal story about Peter and his friends, and it's a coming of age story and all of this stuff. It was a very different type of Spider-Man. He's just a kid training to become better. And that's really what this movie is. That's its terms. Starting with you, Matt Serafini. Do you accept these terms of Spider-Man? I know we talked about it into the Spider-Verse. Where are you at with this?
1: Oh, I absolutely accept these terms. Um it, it's a good Spider-Man movie. It's it's light fun. I mean, this movie is faced with two impossible follow-ups. Like it's following up Endgame, which is, you know, this big epic thing. Uh, and it's also following up into the Spider Verse, which is, in my for for my money, the best comic book movie we've ever seen. <laughs> no pressure, and yeah, no pressure or anything. But um, I think they did a good job with it. Um, it it's light, it's fun. I, I think I think my biggest takeaway is this movie um, really does focus a lot on like the Stark legacy and all of that fun stuff. Uh, and I'm okay with that as long as. They're using it, which which is what it feels like, which is to springboard away from it so that in the next Spider-Man movie, <laughs> it can just be a Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I that is like maybe a shortcoming of the movie that I'm talking about it. I'm talking about the next one before I'm even really getting to this. one. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's got a lot of fun moments, some really, really good action. Actually, some of my favorite action I've seen in the MCU to date. Um, and it's just a, it's a good, fun time.
0: Yeah, I'm almost worried we're not going to have enough to say about it, honestly. But okay, (laughs) before we get into Will Ashen's thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home, I have a quick PSJ. There's a public service John announcement, and that is that if you are watching Far From Home and you have not seen it yet, or if you did see it and you did not do this, you should go back and definitely check out. There are two end credit scenes. They are extremely important. Mm -hmm. If you do not watch these end credit scenes, at least the first one you are going to be missing probably just like the biggest WTF moment of these Spider-Man movies in a while. And I deeply mean that. So yeah. just putting that out there, I there were people who left the theater. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what was going through their heads because we're 11 we're, years
1: in at this point, <laughs> yeah. right.
0: we've been trained for this exact purpose, but
1: the only
2: possible explanation I could maybe sympathize with if people left the left before the credits or while the credits were going on is that, well, Endgame didn't have anything during the credits. <laughs> maybe this movie doesn't either.
0: Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's an elastic girl type stretch, but I, I, right. I appreciate it <laughs> all I'm, the same.
2: Yeah. I would say 98%. It's like, what are you thinking? Just, <laughs> 2% like, eh, maybe that's, maybe that's what's going on or who knows? Maybe they have something else going on. I can't assume what people's lives are like, but that's for the true. most part, yeah, I feel, yeah. Yeah anyway
0: well well i want to know what you thought of spider-man far from home i have a feeling uh you you liked it even more than anima uh
2: if only um yeah i i I definitely think um matt's on point in that the expectations for this film were staggering i think not only uh compared to Endgame and spider-verse we're also talking about following up the like in my opinion best spider-man sequel ever which is spider-man 2 which is uh, definitely has some themes in that movie are they're present here. And I think that um, this movie doesn't quite accomplish them as well as that movie, but as a film, I enjoyed it. I definitely think it's, uh, it's very really hard to um, meet up the expectations that are needed at this point. I think it has, there's a lot on its shoulders. And I think the things that I really liked about homecoming are not as present in this movie. For instance, What I really enjoyed about Homecoming was the idea that uh, we could see the MCU from kind of like the ground floor and that like, hey, like, what's it like to kind of be like a blue collar person in this world? Or like, what is it like just being like a student or just a casual everyday person? And like these, you know, super heroics are going around or going on around you. And to me, that was really appealing. And I thought that was a lot of fun Uh, in this movie. It's more or less like a big MCU movie. Like we said, it's like the epilogue to this 20 plus film series. And that's fine. I think it actually handles a lot of the elements pretty well, but there are definitely things in this movie that didn't quite work for me as well as it did in Homecoming. For instance, the humor in this movie I thought was a lot more hit and miss. Um, a lot of the jokes just didn't really work for me in a way that they did in the last movie. For instance, like Martin Starr, who I thought was one of the best parts of Homecoming, is one of my least favorite parts of this movie. Uh, I especially do still
1: think he gets some really good jokes in this one, though.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, like, like what? Like his camera antics for five the minutes? camera?
1: Not the camera. I'm talking about his wife.
2: Oh,
0: that's it's fantastic.
2: <laughs> Without
1: spoiling anything,
2: okay. I think that's
1: one of the best jokes in the movie.
2: I mean, I was a little disappointed that he didn't have more to do with J.B. Smooth, who I don't believe was introduced into the MCU before this, right? Unless was, I'm forgetting something. He
0: was. He was uh, Tom. He was Peter Parker's driving instructor, in one of the uh, shorts that they did for Homecoming. Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: Okay, that's it well, I though. didn't see it. Well, that's your call, Will. Well, I didn't watch all the required materials. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not not just about watching everything.
0: It's not just watching 20 movies, Will Ashen. You also (laughs) have to watch all the featurettes, behind the scenes, commentaries,
1: ad campaigns. Marvel owns you.
0: It owns all of us. (laughs)
2: Oh, man. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I definitely think there's, I mean, the action I'm kind of here miss on, like, I don't think, I think. John Watson, the director is a lot more confident in this film. I think his direction is a little more solid. And I definitely think the ideas at play here are a lot stronger in that I think this is probably, maybe next to Civil War and Black Panther, one of the most political MCU movies in a way that, while kind of blatant as far as what it's saying, I think is really compelling that it's willing to take a stance and say a lot of these things, considering that MCU movies are kind of like, you know, typically kind of for everyone, you know, like kind of uh, enjoyable action movies that, you know, they do, they tend to say stuff, but not like as deeply or as willingly, I think, as this movie does ultimately. But um, as a film, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I just feel like maybe if it wasn't like the like six or seven Spider-Man movie or like the 20 something Marvel movie at this point, I would have maybe appreciated a little bit more. But um, I definitely feel like something about this experience just didn't hit me quite as hard as it is for other people.
0: Yeah, I, I remember some people came out of this film when it was doing its first round of screenings just being like, "Man, this this is like the best Spider-Man movie or this is even better than Spider-Man 2." And I knew it. I I knew that they were blown smoke. I mean, it it, it, right. it just doesn't have that sort of setup to be better than it is. And that's why my expectations were pretty high, like in a good a good high, but definitely not astronomical. I think even after watching Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I think we all sort of knew that we were watching something really special and that it's not something you can really mm-hmm. expect at this point from a live-action Spider-Man. I, I just don't think we're in – we we're just not in the right kitchen for that kind of recipe. And so that that's kind of why I, I really – I just really embrace this film. I think that it's, it's m- more of everything that was in Homecoming in a lot of ways – which is why yeah. I think maybe the humor is sort of hit or miss because there's just more of it. There's more humor. There's way more action. There's way more set pieces. There's way more character interactions. And it's confusing because like a lot of it really works and you could make the argument that like less is more. And that's probably what makes homecoming. just a really tight movie that feels more standalone mm-hmm. than this one. But it, I, I struggled because I was, I was looking at it and I was like, I think, I think, Homecoming is the better film, but then I look at Far From Home and I'm like, well, the action is better.
1: Yeah, the action's significantly better.
0: I like the journey that Peter is on more than this one. I, I like you know, I like what they do with the villain here. And there are certain things going on with the villain that I thought were way more interesting thematically. I think the vulture in the first film, he's a cool villain because of the big twist, because of how it sort of ties back to what you were saying, Will, about the blue-collar thing. But the villain in this one has, like, a, just a much broader commentary to what you're saying. It's it's tackling these political issues. It's tackling something that is very meta when it comes to filmmaking that I just thought was a little bit more interesting. And and put all this stuff together. And, yeah, I, the romance is more interesting here, weirdly enough. Like, the first the first Homecoming, you spent all this time where, like, Peter's pining over Liz Allen. And I don't know. The, nothing about it was all that in- interesting to me personally. But in this one, that, like teenage anxiety of liking someone and being on a trip and like trying to like have having like a plan to get closer to them was such a gut punch. There were so many little relatable teenage moments in here. And I think they made the smart decision to lean more into the high school friendships. Like there's something, there's a Ned subplot here that I think is uh. the, the most high school thing I've ever seen in a superhero movie. It's perfect. It's, it's what happens on every school trip, but it, it, it's one of those things that, Again, it, you get these things that are great, that it make me be like, well, that means it's better than Homecoming, right? But then, yeah, you struggle a bit because that means there's also a lot of fluff. There's a lot of stuff in between. I think the J.B. Smooth thing was such a missed opportunity. This guy is like a fantastic comedian, and his lines are just, w- I, I don't yeah. understand it. Like, I'm just like, They're pretty hey, bad. he's good at telling jokes, so give him some good jokes. Um, he just says something yeah. about witches at one point, which is like, okay, uh that sounds like a first draft kind of joke. That's fine. But yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah. it's things that's what that's where I'm at with this movie. Where I'm a little confused. I I agree. It's not quite up there with homecoming, but for reasons that are kind of mysterious to me. That's a mysterio pun, it, Uh that uh, <laughs> I don't I don't fully get. Also, there's a quote twist in this movie that is The most obvious twist, they don't try to really hide it if you are a Spider-Man fan. If you've engaged with Spider-Man on any level whatsoever, whether it be a video game, comic...
1: If you're supposed to know about it or not?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I think I think for a lot of people, they were probably very surprised because they, you know they don't they don't read yeah. the comics. They didn't. They probably never watched a Spider Man TV show, and you know this yeah. is dealing with something we haven't seen in the movies. So, okay, fair enough. I, I'm sure some people's minds were <laughs> blown by what happens in this, but yeah, if, I think if you are somebody who understands, like just this character this this group of characters you could really see it coming and you could almost sort of like watch the film in that light and i think it works out still uh but did did the uh the twist get you will i i think that you like spider-man like you know the spider-man lore correct
2: um not to the extent that matter maybe you do but i i feel like i know of like the the bare gist of it at least um but anyway yeah to your point i think the twist that happens about midway through the movie um I don't know if I was shocked by it necessarily, but I do think that was, like, the turning point for me, like, when the movie definitely got better. Yeah, I agree. Before that, because, like, the first half, I really wasn't digging the movie that much. Like, the comedy, like I said, wasn't really working for me, besides the Ned stuff, because I thought that was fun. Um, You know, a lot of things, like, I forget if the bus scene was before or after this, but that was, like, the only real, like, action scene that really, like, I found engaging or fun. Like, I I wasn't really crazy about the two action scenes with... um, They were were there beforehand, but um, yeah, I I definitely think once that point happens, and then that's obviously when the movie gets more political and more um, aware of what it's trying to say, uh, that's where the movie gets really interesting for me. And I think that's that's what I really warmed up to as far as what this movie could do for not only Spider-Man, but the MCU itself. And uh, I I wish the movie was more like that and less like the first half, but uh, I enjoyed the twists all the same.
0: All right, and uh, yeah, Matt, uh, I, I'm kind of agreeing with Will here. Curious what you think. I, I also think the second half is a stronger movie, a part of the movie. Uh, would you Absolutely. say that? Okay,
1: yeah, but, for sure. And, and I also want to say that I, I think I'm I, I'm not against you. I, I think that Homecoming might be a tighter movie, but I think I actually like this one a little more. If that's not too hot of a take. <laughs>
0: No, I, I've seen a lot of people say that it's better. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Uh, I think it's kind of divided <laughs> at the moment, and and I still, I don't yeah. still fully know where I'm at because I do really like this yeah, movie. Yeah, I need to see it again. Yeah, I, I'm struggling with it I, because again, there, I I can't tell. Like the math is hard. <laughs> like like how do you quantify what makes it better? Like which movie would I rather rewatch? Which movie would I rather think and talk about? I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. Like I don't know for sure.
1: Yeah, as I said in my letterbox review, my Spider-Man movie ranking gets more complicated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the most complicated ranking of all time, for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say, like, I feel like each Spider-Man does a certain thing better than the others. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think, like, film-wise, I guess, like, the best ones are probably Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Verse. But yeah. I feel like, like, this, like, to me, like, this has the best MJ in it by far with Zendaya. I think, like, she's really great in the part. Um, I, I think I enjoyed the relationship between Peter and MJ Moore and the Sam Raimi movies. But, but I just think that uh, you know, like they I think the chemistry here too is like really warm. I just kinda I, I'm waiting for that next movie, I think, to really determine whether which one does it stronger. But uh yeah, there's just like little things I think each movie does stronger than the other. Like even like the Amazing Spider-Man movies, like I think um like uh there's like little things like I think the goofiness of like the rhino is really fun and like different things like that I think are really enjoyable. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's just like there's just so much that each movie does better and worse than each one. That's I would well, I would <laughs> say it's pretty hard to say which is better or worse.
1: Well, did you only bring up the Rhino because it's Paul Giamatti?
2: No, I was just was. <laughs> that's like the one thing I like about Amazing Spider-Man too. <laughs> Besides um, Emma Stone as uh, what's her face Gwen um, Stacy, yeah, yeah, she was a
0: she was a killer Gwen Stacy. Okay, yeah, I, I think there are some things we need to talk about. We need to talk about where the MCU goes from here and how those end credit scenes kind of shake things up a bit. Uh, Unfortunately, the only way to do that is to open this up for spoilers. So let's wrap up the spoiler free part of this review with our final grades, our final thoughts. Uh, My grade for this is a pretty solid B kind of the higher side of a B, you know, like pretty close to a B plus it could be a B plus if I rewatch it, but I think I'm just knocking it down a bit for some of its flaws and it, it's 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 tough because there's B plus stuff in here. There's B plus action, B plus mm-hmm. B plus ideas. But yeah, I, I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel like okay, break Spider Man off a little bit from the MCU paradigm. Let him have a movie <laughs> and just have it to himself. Mm-hmm. I think that it, we, we kind of touched on this, but I mean, we've seen this guy a five Spider Man movie, a Spider Man <laughs> movie. I, I, it's a bold <laughs> idea. Might make money. Yeah, but oh, I'm just yeah. saying, like we've seen Tom Holland play this character five times in the last three years <laughs> yeah. but it still just doesn't feel like we know who he is in some ways like we still don't have a chance for him to sort of fly the coop and and be his own spider-man i, I don't know there's something i want to see with this character we honestly done. kind of impressive uh, well tom holland is just fantastic in the role like he brings yeah. that character to life in a way that's that's very interesting i like how different this spider-man is from other spider-men because mm-hmm. It just, it allows for a different story. It's, it, it's like the Marvel Ultimates. It's like diving into a different psychology of the character, different circumstances for him that are interesting to me. And sometimes they try to shoehorn things in like, oh, Peter is like a genius. Right now. And, and like they, they <laughs> kind of put that to the wayside because he acts pretty stupid a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, he's like a dumb kid for the most part.
0: <laughs> but then every once in a while he geeks out because, well, that's Peter Parker. Well, uh, is that really the Peter Parker you've written here? I think that that's a problem they, they really desperately need to fix. But the one thing, mm-hmm. and I'll end with this, that I do really love that they've done with this character that they haven't done enough of with previous ones, If they've let him not be very good at it yet. like The fact that he's yeah. a kid actually holds him back. He's not as confident. He, his spider sense isn't fully figured out. <laughs> he actually is training and they show that he's training and get, he's just incrementally getting better. The stark suit is like his training wheels and. It I just, to me, makes me feel like the payoff is going to be really great when, and there's some payoffs in here too, where he really starts to come into his oh, own yeah. And that, that's in me is what makes this movie really shine in a way that I think Homecoming was missing a little bit. I think Homecoming kind of gave him an out toward the end there. So all that said, B for me. What, what about you, Matt?
1: I, I totally agree with you that, that like, because of the way that they're like working towards it, the payoffs feel that much better. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, I think I'm probably going to give it. I'm teetering between an A minus and a B plus. I think I'm going to say B plus, and I'm hoping that on rewatch, I can elevate it to an A minus.
0: All right. So B plus for Matt, B for me. Will Ashton, tell us all about your A plus.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I guess for the first half of the movie, I was definitely like C plus, B minus territory. Um, I was somewhere between there. Like it wasn't really like, I was like, yeah, oh, this isn't really working for me. But then. That second half happens. And I definitely felt like the second half was like B B plus territory. So I guess ultimately I'm gonna round it out to about a C or a, a B minus here.
0: C minus.
2: No, uh, yeah. <laughs> Would that be a twist? <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, uh, more right. pictures of Spider Man. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's like a solid movie. I enjoyed it. I definitely had fun watching it. I just never felt like it quite reach the spider-man we've had before either in the mcu or outside of it at this point um but there's definitely a lot of stuff here like especially on paper i think that i really enjoyed and um the performances from jake gyllenhaal and tom holland and zendaya i really think are strong here and i think they're definitely some of the best elements we've gotten from spider-man as far as the mcu is concerned i just kind of wish i think the thing that really stood out to me about homecoming was that it was just very much a high school movie and none of the spider-man before that uh, I guess because that was before Spider-Verse as well. Like they never really captured that Spider-Man or the uh, high school element of Spider-Man that I really liked. Um, so I'm glad that this movie is able to kind of continue that in a small way, but yeah, just it didn't quite hit me as hard as Homecoming did, unfortunately.
0: All right. Well, that is a B minus for Will. So that, that puts us at about a B average, which yeah, if you had asked us at the beginning of 2019, Hey, what grade do you think? What, what average do you think Spider-Man far from home is going to be? About a B sounds about right. But okay, yeah, we're yeah. opening this up for spoilers because we have to talk about some big implications toward the end of this film. <laughs> so please do not listen to this if you do not want to know what happens at the very end of Spider Man Far From Home. You have been warned, and so it has begun. Okay.
2: Some uh, of the jizz jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh Are we going to talk about that?
0: Peter's web shooter?
1: <laughs> yeah. That really bothered you, Will. I don't it, know why. <laughs> that that brought you
0: from a B to a B minus
1: no yeah I was gonna
2: say yeah I was like it's one of those things where um, between the Guardians of the Galaxy Picasso joke and this I'm like somebody at the MCU just really loves a good jizz joke I guess I wasn't (laughs) sure if it was that or Sony that was involved with this one but it was just very very bizarre to me that they felt like yeah that's a decision we should put in this movie you know this Disney produced uh, kid,
0: it worked for Happy Time Murders uh,
2: Uh. i I just feel like like it's just kind of weird that it's like you just I, my stance is less that it's a joke like that like I get the purpose of it I get that he's a high schooler but it's just like kind of like 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 what you think about that like with Guardians of the Galaxy the Picasso joke with Thor Ragnarok the orgy joke now we have uh this web shooter joke in Spider Man Far From Home it's just like just kind of weird to think that these are all Disney movies technically but I digress
0: I I like how edgy they are sometimes I don't know well I I feel like you're complaining about something that's uh. Kind of a plot. I'm not even
2: complaining. I'm just observing. Sounds like you're
0: upset.
1: <laughs> Sounds like complaints. Oh, man. So the twist, the, the end credits scene. Wait, wait, wait. So the end credits twist, not the Mysterio twist.
0: Right, right. So, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: At the, so everyone knows that he's Spider Man. We've seen this happen in the comics before, not just in Civil War, but we have seen Spider Man be outed as Peter Parker. Matt, what do you? Also, J. Jonah Jameson is being played by J.K. Simmons. Probably the biggest reaction that, that we had in the theater. Uh, everyone lost their minds, myself yeah. included. Wonderful, mm-hmm. um, wonderful casting in the the Sam Raimi films, and and a lot of us were really hoping that this would be the case. But okay, Matt, where do we go from here? How how I do like we? That. How does this work? How are we going to have to? What what does what can the next Spider Man even be at this point?
1: That's a fantastic question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for the the screenwriters at Marvel,
1: <laughs> right? Exactly. No, I, I don't know. My predictions, I think, are that I think we're gonna get Spider Man three a lot sooner than we originally expected. Maybe, but that that's just my thought. That's not really based on anything. Um, I think that we're we're gonna see it soon because I think that we've gotta <laughs> we've gotta get to this. This isn't one of those things that like 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 for example, at the end of Spider Man Homecoming, Aunt May finds out that he is Spider Man. And we never really got to see the fallout of that. We just kind of assume, okay, they had a fight, maybe, and now we're all good. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't one of those cases. I think we need to see exactly what happens next. Yeah, because uh, it's totally going to change Peter's life. I, I don't know.
0: That's well. Do you think though? Do you think that it's going to stick? Like, do you think
1: right. that will they walk it back?
0: People are going to believe him. Well, yeah. Do you think? Because the whole idea that everyone's going to turn on Spider Man—that's a great implication that we don't have to address right away. That's good for the next movie. But this idea that, yeah, is it permanent? Or is he going to, is Peter going to be able to like prove that he's not Spider Man? How does this work?
1: Yeah. I'm hoping they go real Silver Age with it and like have just like kind of a silly thing where like, oh, we get like a scroll to be Peter and then have the real Peter swinging by as Spider Man or something like that. Like there's a, it's one of the first comics in the Lee and Ditko run where, Uh, Doc Ock actually unmasks Peter in front of his friends, and they think he was just faking it. Like they don't even—he doesn't even have to come up with an explanation. They thought he was just pretending to be Spider-Man to help them or something like
0: that. Right. This—the exact same thing happened in the animated series. Uh, and two of the animated series.
1: Yeah, I was gonna
2: say. Well, for one, I mean, I'm pretty sure Matt and I were talking about this. I'm pretty sure J.K. Simmons, like, this is like his only real contribution to the MCU. But if they did want to bring him back. How fun would it be to have Peter Parker or Spider-Man give pictures of Peter Parker to J.J. Jameson? I mean that would Jeez. be <laughs> The uh that would be quite a twist. I feel like that would be a lot of fun, but
0: I I think I think that that's just crazy enough to work. Um uh, d- just for yeah. your your own <laughs> your own uh, satisfaction. Yeah. Just I, like, I, I need actually of Peter Parker I do think that I do think that J.K. Simmons. I, there's no way that they're only making this a one-bit role. I, I think that he'll come you back. Think? Like they'll use him for something. Oh, okay. I don't think he's going to be a main character or anything like that. But
1: no, yeah, I don't think they're going to do Peter working at the Daily Bugle in this no. universe. yeah, that'd be
2: really weird. Yeah. Uh, this given the context that they gave here, but um, yeah, I, I do wonder. I mean, as much as I would love to see J.K. Simmons in the part again. Um, I feel like it was probably only intended to be a uh, one scene cameo, but I would love to be proven wrong in that in this case. But
0: I think you're going to be proven wrong in this case, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll
2: maybe see. I don't know. I really don't know. But, I can um, see it going
1: either way, honestly. Right.
2: That's why I feel like I feel like my gut says it's probably like a one cameo scene, but I and you know who knows. But um, people were
1: so excited, so I could see them changing their minds and bring him back.
2: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they knew that people were going to be pretty excited, though. Like, yeah. I don't. I mean. But anyway, but I feel like they could theoretically. I guess they could step back by doing like they really leaning into like the fake news angle and being like, "Oh, you know, like that's just like some crazy guy who said that, you know, like because he, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that really technically works by dox standards because that's technically, I guess, what happened here: Spider Man got doxed. But <laughs> um, which it sounds really weird to say, but uh, I, it's pretty much what happened. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess there's like there's a number of ways they could go, and I think that's what's really fun about this twist is that it could go any sort of different way now. And it does open a lot of possibilities. So I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Yeah. We've seen it happen before. And it, that's why it's like, we need to address this because is this is going to be permanent or are they going to try to like prove him wrong? Cause they've done that in the comics so many times. And I, I what wish do you they, think, John? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I want to, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to <laughs> I think the scrolls theory is a very good one. Cause they, they have it right there in the text to do it.
2: Yeah. Oh you mean like they could like go back in time and make make that not happen? No,
0: I was mentioning the scrolls.
1: Like, like the Doctor Strange thing.
0: Okay. No, no, no. They have the scrolls there, right? Like so that's Matt oh, okay. theory. Matt Yeah, Matt... there's a
1: reveal that Nick Fury and Maria Hill throughout the whole movie have actually been Oh yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: What did you what did you think of that twist, Matt?
1: I think it was a good twist in that it like <laughs> it, it gave credence, it, like it explained why Nick Fury was kind of off his game this time around.
0: Oh yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't at his best.
1: Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, it was wild. I, I don't know what Nick Fury is doing in space, or if it has anything to do with Sword. Uh, but I guess we'll see. You know.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if it connects to the Eternals in any way. I think Maybe. that's like the next big yeah. Marvel thing. And uh, yeah, because because what are we getting next year? Because this is the last Marvel movie of 2019. Believe it or not, uh-huh. and then next year I think we're getting. Let's see. We're not getting Black Panther 2 yet. Is it Black uh, Widow
1: next? Well, Bla- there's Black Widow's in production. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're, they're yeah, going to yeah, announce the whole line. Be- yeah. So so Black Widow's going to come out at some point. I don't think that that's going to be like an MCU, like current state of the MCU kind of movie. I think they're kind of billing it as maybe a sort of hybrid prequel. But yeah. Eternals is the thing that I think is going to be their next. This is the future of Marvel, kind of mm-hmm. cosmic entry, you know, a la Guardians of the Galaxy. So I don't know, I don't know. But we'll we'll probably be finding out once uh once we get like the big uh, Hall H Comic Con uh, reveal because because Marvel is going to own Hall H. Not own. I Should yeah. say that they're they're going to be running. <laughs> they a big thing for there. They'll probably be announcing Black Panther two, Doctor Strange two, the next Spider Man, all that stuff. And uh, we probably won't hear about any new Avengers movies, but that's kind of uh, that's fine. I, I think we're good. I think I think we need a little bit of a like Peter Parker, a little Just bit take bit a great. breather. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have much else to say about this movie. I, I think that it's uh, it, it's kind of an interesting one. It's fun. I think fun is the key word. And the, I think the end credit scenes were more interesting to me and more thought-provoking than the actual movie. But yeah, yeah it's still yeah. a blast. It's still got really good needle drops. And I, I think that the Mysterio thing was probably my favorite aspect of this movie on its own. It's like my favorite contribution that they made was they found a way to make Mysterio work in a live-action movie, which I've always wondered if they could actually do. Oh,
1: yeah. And they did it well, too, I thought.
0: They did do it well, because they used it as a way to comment on... Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal, like sort of sorting out his problems with film directors, maybe, uh, and and previous experiences he might have had with uh, cer- certain directors uh, that that might be might be very specifically he's going after here. I don't know, but I think that hmm. what they do with this idea of like the idea behind like special effects and kind of an egomaniac running a production was was very meta in a way that I found very very satisfying.
2: Yeah, between that and Velvet Buzzsaw, he has uh, a lot to say about the art scene, I guess, (laughs) this year. (laughs) That's true.
1: That's true. And I also want to point out that I really like that, like, like one of the things about Homecoming and this version of Spider-Man we've seen this far is they hadn't really done much with the Spider-Sense, whether or not it actually existed. So in this movie, not only did they say, oh, yeah, it's here, but it, like, was given a major purpose, possibly the biggest purpose we've seen from the Spider-Sense in film.
0: Uh, What do you mean by purpose, necessarily?
1: Uh, Like... De- Maybe demonstration is a better word. They like, gave us a full demonstration of its uses.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, because in the F- Sam Raimi ones, it was automatic. He didn't really have to work for yes. it. It just sort of slowed time for him, and mm-hmm. he would just become mm-hmm. aware if there was danger present. But that's what I liked about this, was that it was something that it was like a muscle that Peter had to like mm-hmm. work out. Yes. And that's his big weakness, is like he needs to focus. <laughs> and I, I, I like that, too, because... Right? I, when that scene happens that she throws the banana and it hits him, a little part of me was kind of angry.
1: <laughs> Same. Yeah. I was yeah. like, what do you? And then they addressed it. <laughs>
0: She's like, what about your Peter tingle?
2: Um, yeah. Oh, that joke was bad. I really did not like that joke.
0: Why? Because it was like the web shooter one. I don't understand this. No, well,
2: I- no. I just thought it was a dumb joke that they repeated like seven times. Like they were like really confident in that like dumb joke. No, the, the Web shear joke is just like a whole other thing. It, I, I it's like nothing the to Peter with...
0: Tingle. I think it's funny. I,
2: I
1: like the uh, Peter Tingle. I don't, I don't like, right. I, don't, I didn't love it, but I liked it.
2: Yeah, that was a crazy bet, but teach <laughs> Okay. Well,
1: I think we would also be remiss if we didn't mention the expository dialogue and the toasting scene, but that <laughs> could be a whole other discussion. Which one?
2: Oh, you mean uh, for uh, Mysterio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you guys everything that you know about yourselves for five minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was a little rough, but I, I
2: kind of—I want was really because I, when that scene was happening, I, I was kind of expecting like you know one of the um, people be like, "Why is he repeating all this? Just like he's having a moment or something." Just, like, yeah, I thought they were gonna like kind of reference that, but yeah, I was no, hoping they're... it
1: would just keep going forever.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like they're all like leaving, he's like still like, and then in 2012.
1: <laughs> There's a good SNL skit in there
0: somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a Tim Robinson uh, sketch. Oh yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very, that was a very clunky, clunky moment. You kind of see why they had to do it, but it, yeah, definitely wasn't very graceful.
2: Well, I think Joan How sold it. Like I think if it wasn't, exactly. him, it, it works because of him. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause, and that was the thing. It's like leading up to that moment, I was like, "They better, they better do this twist soon." Because he is so boring, <laughs> like he is so deadpan, so monotone, right. and and that's yeah. that was the biggest clue. It was like, "Oh, of course he is," because he's Quentin Beck. He's this is the point. He's not a really a good actor. He's just sort of good at faking it, you know, all that stuff. So, and, and then yeah. I was also frustrated because like, how does Nick Fury buy any of this? And they even <laughs> find a way to sort of retcon that little plot contrivance. So I I appreciate it on that level. Yeah. So I I don't, I don't have anything else except that. I think that we're going to forget a lot about this movie pretty soon. And so I hope, uh, I hope, I hope upon rewatch it, it, it it maybe reveals a a new light. I I think that the things that are going to stick with me are the sort of teenage connections in here that the Peter and MJ story is one that is a bit affecting, is a bit affecting for me. Uh, Peter trying to find a role model in somebody who is an Iron Man and sort of like falling back on old habits instead of growing up and try kind of treating this, this stranger who he doesn't really know, which is a very human thing and putting all of his hopes into somebody who turns out to be a villain. And that being a very crucial lesson for him, I thought it was just great pathos. It was a great sort of continuation of, of his story and homecoming. So I, I give the movie a lot of credit for that, but uh, yeah, other than that, it, it it's, it's a little messy in some places and probably not going to be one of the most memorable films of 2019
2: i just realized that like he, he's playing these like false hopes and these father figures for him in a way i like, guess not maybe not so with vulture but with um mysterio but then like what if like uncle ben comes in the third movie he's like i don't know if i can trust you i have a history, <laughs> with, I have a history with middle-aged men <laughs> deceiving me so he's like but i'm your uncle ben peter <laughs> <laughs>
1: i hate you
0: (laughs) (laughs) i do wonder if they will ever mention uncle ben at all uh but i mean who who would have may have been married to that would have uh martin sheen
1: rob
2: (laughs) low
0: john lithgow man
2: and i we talked about this once Do you remember when we were like hashing out like who should play uncle ben theoretically and and the MCU and we figured the one person like I, I figured I don't know, unless they actually find a way to um, incorporate him into the plot. I feel like the only time we really see Uncle Ben is like maybe like a flashback, like, you know, like one of those scenes like pre um, uh, Marvel logo. Mm-hmm. And so it has to have like an actor who's like gentle and has the gravitas to kind of carry that with just like five minutes of, you know, film. And we settled, I think, on Tom Hanks. Is that what we said, Matt? I think. So. Yeah, I, I, it, he was
1: discussed. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's probably like the person I pick for Uncle Ben. This universe. No, that's
0: interesting. That's interesting. Um, oh, there was one last thing I wanted to bring up. I do really appreciate that John Favreau kind of bookends the Marvel cinematic universe in this way, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the Infinity Saga.
0: Yeah, he directed Iron Man, kind of brought that in, and then this is the last film they're saying of Phase Three, so this is really the end of it, and you kind of have John Favreau with. a a bit of an outsized role here i think his biggest role in any of these movies
1: yeah he was my favorite part of it or one of my favorites He's He's he every scene he was in yeah yeah
0: he's great because he is that father figure that i think peter has sort of like come and come to like recognize as more of a friend and not just somebody he relies Mm -hmm. on for everything and and i I like that part of it too and i like that the the little subplot with him and, and aunt may had a Great ending to it. <laughs> it's just a summer yeah. fling. Uh, I thought that was hilarious, and and definitely, you know, he he's lucky he got that from Misato. So, no. <laughs> All right, you're, you're not
2: wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll do it for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. Next week, we're going to be talking about Crawl and Stuber, uh, two films that could not be any more different. I think we'll have some interesting conversations about this. They're going to be hitting wide release, but hopefully we'll also be able to catch The Art of Self-Defense, which hits limited release. I'm going to try to see if we can maybe uh, check that out as well. Uh, the Farewell also hits limited release. Might talk about that film again. I have already seen it, but I hope a lot of you listening can see it as well. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And uh, yeah, the summer the summer's rolling along. Uh, I think that we we're a little past the halfway point and... I'm really excited about Crawl, Will. I, I know that uh, me too. you were giving me some some heat uh, about this movie oh. for some reason. I'm not sure why.
2: No, just saying that um, it's a horror movie about grief. Or it's not about grief. So you're going to give it a B minus. <laughs> no, like, you like said your a B <laughs> Sorry, B plus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Um, but I'm excited for Crawl. I think that's a really well edited trailer. I really It gets me every time I see it. Because it's like every yeah. movie I see now, they play that trailer in Good Boys for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. and so but that that one like i just love the the way the sound clicks and like it matches the uh score just yeah. like i hope the movie captures that
0: same here uh, i have a lot of faith that uh it's not directed by sam raimi but he had a hand in it and it has that sort of drag me to hell creature vibe mm-hmm. that i love so looking forward to that and super i don't know i'm hearing bad things a couple good things
2: i saw it um yeah
0: um, you can't say anything good, yet. i think
2: until tomorrow yeah. Well,
0: we will talk about it next week. Thank you, Matt, for coming on to the show. Uh, is thanks great, for having me.
1: Where, yeah, thanks, man.
0: Where can people find you if they want to find anything you're working on?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Serafini, just at Matt Serafini. Um, and then I'm on Instagram. I draw sometimes, Matt.Serafini. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. <laughs> a, a week or so ago, I watched, the, in, all, I watched all seven Spider Man movies simultaneously, and I shared that on my Instagram. So if you want to see my reactions to that, it's saved. <laughs> on my profile
0: and you're on letterbox too
1: oh yes letterbox as well i think it's M- madster42 on there i don't know
0: well we will be linking to your twitter in the show notes and hopefully you can use that as a way to find all your stuff but thanks again for coming on perfect yeah yeah we'll see you all next week from the internet california i am john groney
2: for the Internet Pennsylvania, yeah,
1: i'm Lash. and from the internet california i'm matt serpene see you next time